CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Tuesday, December 12th starts now. Today on the show, Ben welcomes back your friend and mine, realtor, attorney, and expert, Tosh Chandy. The Ben Jarofsky Show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of entertainment's going on in the city, then you need to head to ChicagoReader.com because there's all that info and even more. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky, head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this the Rich Get Richer Tuesday, and here's why. Yes, the rich are getting richer in the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago. How do I know that? Why are we crane Chicago business? Yes, cranes, you think you're slick. You get that little paywall on there, but I figured a way to get around it. I'm not going to tell you how I get around it, cranes. You know, you've been reading my stuff for years and years, cranes. You never gave a nickel to the reader, you cheapskates. So you put that paywall up, you go, we'll get, we'll soak that little commie, Ben. <laughs> uh-uh. I figured a way to get around it, cranes. I'm not playing. Anyway, I read this, uh, <laughs> read this article in cranes. It's so funny. Let me just set the scene, ladies and gentlemen. For the last, I don't know. How long has Brandon Johnson been mayor? He's been mayor for about six months. So this goes back, uh, this actually goes back to like the end of the rounder days. And so just think of this consortium of either rich people or flunkies for rich people. So the Chicago Tribune editorial board, uh, Crane Chicago Business, basically their editorial board. That sometimes editorial board for a while, you guys were a little wobbly there for a while. Uh, and who else? Just any downtown alderman, uh, Brendan, R- Brendan Riley, Brian Hopkins. They all sob. I'm probably forgetting some names. Raylo, even Raylo down in the 15th ward, he's sobbing too. Oh, you're so mean to rich people. It's so hard to be a rich person in the state of Illinois, in the city of Chicago. And I mean, I, I, we are assaulted with that. And I've explained to you what they're doing, ladies and gentlemen. They're not dumb. I mean, some people get rich just by inheriting the money, you know, so they really don't have to be smart. But a lot of people who get rich are smart. So they're not, I mean, they're not dumb. They figure, here's what we do. Life's good for us. We're making more money than every poor. We're going to start crying. Like like I say all the time, no one cries about the refereeing more than uh, LeBron James in the NBA, a little basketball reference. Yeah. Well, LeBron James has got nothing, absolutely nothing on the, like the flunkies for the rich people uh, in the state of uh, Illinois and Chicago, they're always crying about how the lefties are beating them up. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're getting richer. I'm just reading the headline in the uh, Crane Chicago business, ladies and gentlemen. Don't blame me, okay? Rich people, don't blame me. It's your publication, Crane Chicago business. All right? You're, it, it was by uh, senior reporter John Pletz. Shout out, John Pletz. Uh, and it came in the same issue with Greg Hines, my old friend, my old poker playing friend, 
I haven't seen Greg in years, but we used to play poker back in the early 80s. My distinguished guest, Tosh Chen, is like, dang, man, you guys are old. Uh, back in the early 80s, we played poker. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's always crying about something. To... <laughs> Greg, you're always crying about, oh, they're so mean to the rich people. Uh, anyway, uh, John Plett's analysis shows that uh, thanks to a booming stock market, just life good in general, rich people are getting richer and richer in the state of Illinois. And you would never know that from reading their coverage. You would think at any attempt to help a poor person or a middle-class person or a working-class person in the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, is causing huge pains for rich people. Every attempt to raise wages on, like, a Starbucks worker, it's horrible for rich people. It's terrible. They're going to have to leave Chicago and go to Gary, Indiana. <laughs> I always threaten to go to Indiana. You notice that? The rich people are like, we could go to Indiana. Remember when they used to talk about taxing uh, the huge amounts of money that LaSalle Street Wheeler dealers make? Uh, and the guys who ran the exchanges would go, we could just right now go to the state of Indiana. I'm like, go. <laughs> you guys don't provide really any jobs anymore. It's all off trading. It's all on the Internet. I mean, really, how many jobs would be lost if right now all these options just moved to Indiana? Everybody's like, oh, my God, we can't let that happen. And then editorials write, we cannot allow this to happen. We cannot, we cannot dare to lose these businesses. Anyway, the rich are getting richer. You think they would thank Brandon Johnson, you know, or KB Pritzker? I mean, they're doing well, right? Isn't that what they do? Like when rich people do well under Donald Trump, the guy's a fascist and like supporter of Nazis, they go, Well, say what you will about Trump, but we're really doing well. I want to see the first rich person, Brian Hopkins. I want to see you. I want to see you, Greg Hunt. Say what you will about Brandon's lefty views, but we we are doing well. You never hear that. Just like the police. These guys got the best deal for Brandon Johnson. You never hear them say, thank you, Mayor Johnson. Never. They're still crying about this and that, getting ready to run Paul Vallis in the, in the next election. You know, where's Vallis to say, I was wrong about Brandon Johnson and the police. Where's Vallis to say, I was wrong about how tough these guys are and they're rich. The rich are getting richer. If you don't believe me, go read their magazine. Crane Chicago Business. I, I read it in Cranes, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I alluded their little paywall. You think they're slick Cranes. <laughs> I figured it out. All right. Without further ado, I'm bringing on a first-time guest. Uh, Tosh Chandy is his name. Uh, and uh, so first, Tosh, welcome to the show. Welcome to my humble little podcast. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. All right. And uh, now I'm going to give the backstory of how Tosh is here on this show. So we're doing first Tuesday, last Tuesday, uh, at uh, the Nighthawk. Uh, and I was ranting and railing, as I tend to do. And then we came to uh, question and answer time. And uh, out from the audience, I could barely see it was so dark. I could just hear the voice coming from the audience, crashing everything I said, man, blah, blah, blah. I took a shot at the Brighton Park, the tent city. Tosh rejected it. I took a shot at Carlos Ramirez Rosa and his behavior in the city council. Tosh went, rejected it. What was the other one? Uh, I don't even think I took you didn't take a I took a shot at Burke. But you were actually on my side on Burke. So I said, man, you got to come on my show because any guy who's got the guts just to say it like he feels it from a lefty perspective. And he's a businessman and he's an attorney and he's a 
real estate wheeler dealer. I said, Tosh, are you come on the show? And he said, yes, I will, Ben. And so both of us uh, have battled the dentist today. That's here it. we are. Uh, each of us had a dentist appointment. So welcome to my humble little podcast, Tosh. And do you have any thoughts on the rich getting richer before we jump into the three topics that we promised to talk about today or the four topics actually that we promised to talk about today? Any thoughts on rich getting richer? No, I mean, I think a lot of the statements that were made by Vallis and prior to Johnson's election, I mean, it didn't, it, they didn't pan out. They said, you know, Brand Johnson's going to get in there. He's a socialist. Whole city's going to collapse. You know, all businesses are going to leave. And I mean, that you still hear some of that narrative now, but I mean, obviously it hasn't panned out. It hasn't come true. So I think, I think you see the business community coming around. I know Johnson passed some kind of executive order the other day to kind of fast track real estate development in terms of permitting and uh, some of the processes with that. So we'll see how that turns out. You know, that was kind of a gift to the real estate community, I thought. Yes, it was a gift to the real estate community. I haven't seen any of them thank him. <laughs> yeah, right. Because all, all they do is sob, Tosh, cry. That's how they get what they want. The biggest bunch of babies since LeBron James. And they don't have his greatness, by the way. All right. Uh, I guess we'll start with, why not? Carlos Ramirez Rosa. So he was the floor leader uh, for Mayor Brandon Johnson. Uh, he uh, was the chair of the zoning committee uh, under Brandon Johnson. Uh, he was probably Brandon's most valuable alderman in terms of standing up for Brandon Johnson, uh, fighting for the initiatives that Brandon Johnson wanted passed, uh, and dealing with the complexities of the Chicago City Council. Uh, and um, it seemed like he crossed the line in terms of how he dealt with his uh, colleagues, particularly on the mitts. He apologized, and then he resigned and um, stepped down from his uh, position as floor leader. I don't know if Brandon is going to even name someone to replace him. And he stepped down from his position as zoning chair uh, amidst accusations that he was strong-arming people of sorts. Uh, he denies those, uh, too. Uh, and um, I don't believe Brandon Johnson's named someone to replace him at that position either. And you kind of defended him uh, at uh, the hideout, uh, hideout show and old habits are hard to break. The Nighthawk show at first Tuesday. Uh, and you had some interesting thoughts. So, Tosh, the floor is yours. Talk about Carlos okay. Ramirez Rosa. Go. So, first off, I'm not a, a huge defender of Carlos Ramirez Rosa. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan or I'm not not a fan. You know, I'm kind of neutral on him. I think my comment was more on the hypocrisy of how previous floor leaders and previous city councils that have governed. So the video I saw, yeah, he might've stood in front of Emma Mitz and he might've made some phone calls and, 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 you know, try to wrangle some votes or said, Hey, you know, this is the way we're going to do this. To me, that's not so objectionable. When I saw the people that were commenting on this, the, the elected officials that were commenting on it, it's like, this was outrageous and they have never seen such a thing. And they've never heard of such a thing. Yeah. That's the part that I have, have an issue with. So and I, th I think the real problem is Carlos didn't have the political capital and he didn't have the muscle. That's the issue. If he had the political capital and he had the muscle to make those calls and to stand there, we wouldn't have heard about this. This wouldn't have even been the story. It, it wouldn't have even came to light. Second of all, you have, um, you know, I think the Brandon Johnson administration, is, they're kind of an insular group. So it seems to me they haven't brought in a lot of the Black Caucus. And this is just my observation. It seems like William Hall is pretty close with uh, Brand Johnson, but you don't see a lot of the the more seasoned uh, Black Caucus members being included, or at least visibly being included in, in the Brandon Johnson movement, per, per se. And I think that was also, there is some kind of, um, not bad blood, but there's a little bit of, um, maybe animosity is too strong, but there's a little bit of 
of, of some kind of rub there where I think they felt this is our chance to kind of exert our power to show that, hey, you know what? We probably didn't want Carlos in that position to begin with. And now here's our chance to kind of knock him out of there. So I think he took kind of a brunt, you know, he didn't. And then, you know, I was thinking about the other day and I couldn't, I was Googling, I couldn't figure it out. Do you remember when the Black Caucus had a holiday party in the South Loop? And there was protesters outside. Yes. And I think it was, was it Willie Cochran who said, let those kids know we're a bunch of gangsters and how we do things. And when I, when I and the reason I'm connecting that is to me, that didn't mean we're gangsters, meaning we're rough. We're going to knock people out. And that we have political muscle. We have, we run this over here. We, we got control over here. So no young protesters are going to get in our way. And I think it's ironic for a group that kind of espouses that, not that all, all the members do, to then say, oh, we were bullied by Carlos Rosa. I mean, God, we can't, we can't, we couldn't take it. Carl, as, as if Carlos is this big intimidating figure. I don't know the guy, but he's never struck me as that. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you guys are, you guys have been in the council for all these years. I mean, you have, you know, these guys have been in there 10, you know, 12 years, some, some of these members and, and you're intimidated by Carlos Rosa. I just don't buy it. I don't buy that you were intimidated by Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Uh, well, I, uh, that is a great, uh, memory, by the way, that, that Willie Cochran, was it Willie Cochran? I think it was Willie Cochran who said, we're gangsters, let them know. <laughs> yeah, there was a bunch, of, yeah, it was, um, uh, I shout out Maya Dukmasa, but she wrote it up, I think, for the reader. Uh, and, uh, I think it was Maya who wrote that story. If it wasn't Maya, it was some, uh, I apologize to whoever it was. Uh, but I, yes, it was very funny. It was one, one of those moments where a Chicago alderman didn't, said something that's embarrassing. That's the 20th war. Uh, Troutman, remember the one where yeah, we're Ron all hoes? Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so it's just like an embarrassing revelation of a Chicago alderman. And there is, there's a transition, a transformation of sorts going on uh, in the Chicago City Council with the behavior of the Chicago alderman, uh, where Carlos Ramirez rose. And just, I, to your point, I must agree. I must concur. Carlos used to come on my show and talk about how he was uh, mocked and maligned when he would stand up and oppose some initiative uh, that uh, Rahm Emanuel wanted or Lori Lightfoot wanted, and particularly in the age of Rahm. And all the, all the aldermen would, they would like, it's like kids. They were like kids, children in a, in a high school, uh, and they would be teasing him, okay? Now fast forward, and you're correct. The rules have changed, the protocols changed, uh, and he is being treated. You are absolutely correct. He is being treated as what he is doing is so outrageous and out of the norm for the behavior of the Chicago City Council. You're absolutely correct. They were like Ed Burke bullies. They uh, Daly was a bully. Rahm Emanuel was a bully. And all I mean, the powers not, that they who was the floor leader under under Daly? Pat O'Connor. Can you not imagine Pat O'Connor making phone calls before before a vote? I mean, this this it strikes me. I don't know if he did or not. Or Gil Viegas. Like this seems like this is just normal business all right so why don't you give a little backdrop at yourself do you have this attitude because when you spoke up at the uh when you spoke out at nighthawk on this issue and then the issue of the gravel we'll get to that uh i thought to myself this guy's a lifelong chicagoan this guy sounds like a chicago and and then i contrasted you with me because i'm from evanston and evanston has a different sensibility uh so why don't you give a little bit backdrop about yourself where you're from, et cetera, and so forth, and where, uh, what ward you grew up, that kind of thing. Go ahead. Okay, so my parents moved to Beverly in, I think, 1983. So I grew up in the 19th Ward as a child, um, lived there all through high school, and I moved to different parts of Chicago. I moved back to Beverly about six years ago, five years to be closer to them. Um, so I watched uh, the 19th Ward kind of from a distance, even though I wasn't part of it. I, I you know, 
all these characters in the 19th Ward. I've kind of noticed that. I just kind of gravitated to um, to politics. I was a field organizer for the Obama campaign. I worked for a few other campaigns early in my career. And um, I just I'm, I just follow politics. I just enjoy reading this stuff, especially local politics, especially city council and aldermanic politics. I think it's I think it's fascinating stuff. I mean, it impacts our day to day lives. And I mean, it's 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 kind of a, a tangible thing that I, you know, over the years, you kind of see how different people align and don't align. And you can kind of see it play out in your day to day life, you know, impacting your day to day life as opposed to national politics. I mean, that's not true for everything. But to me, it's something that you can more kind of grip your hands around. Oh, yeah. I mean, here's my thing about uh, Chicago politics. Like, like you get to follow up on what you're saying. Uh, I I feel very frustrated in my inability. The further away we go from the local level at uh, my ability to uh, have be an agent of the change I want. So, like, to the most extreme, uh, the war in the Middle East, I realize I like not, I have no impact on that. I mean, I keep trying in my own little way, and it's almost embarrassing. Uh, people say, Ben, keep doing it, keep talking about it, you know, keep calling for a ceasefire, et cetera, and so forth, what have you. But I feel as though that's so far removed. And to a lesser Washington, even, uh, I, that's also far removed. But locally, I've always felt like if we cannot hope to uh, be agents of change on a local level, then all is lost. Right. And Tosh, for so long, I got a lot of years on you, at least 30 years on you for so long in the city of Chicago, <laughs> guys like me, were given the middle finger, mm-hmm. you know, shut up. Don't listen to them. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm still kind of in a, um, like a amazement that there's a lefty that I knew as mayor of the city of Chicago. I still haven't got that quite hasn't sunk in. Uh, and, um, so, but that does kind of show, prove the point that you're making, that you do have some control on the local level. There is a possibility that you can change things uh, on the local level, which makes it uh, more attractive. Now, you come from the 19th Ward. Let's just talk about this for a while. 19th Ward, far southwest side of, uh, side of Chicago, ladies and gentlemen. Very powerful Democratic organization. Way back when, uh, when Tosh was a kid, was run by a guy named Michael Sheehan, who was the sheriff. This guy was so much meaner and nastier than Carlos Ramirez Rosa in Carlos's worst days. Okay, Tosh? Oh, my God, if you dared to say something about uh, Michael Sheehan or the 19th Ward Dems, man, you put a sign up, they'll take it down, throw it down, et cetera, and so forth. So that's the environment you grew up in. Mm-hmm. Do you follow what I'm saying? I did. You know, and uh, so, yeah, I could see why you say it's a procritical. That said, do you think Carlos should have stepped down for uh, the accusations uh, that Emma Mitts made against him? Go. I don't think that required him to step down. I don't think it was egregious from at least what we've heard publicly. I don't know if there's anything else that we know privately, but I don't think it required him to step down, but I think he had to step down. That makes sense. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. I'm trying to understand it. (laughs) I don't think think it warranted stepping down. Yes. But I think he had to do it for Brandon Johnson. Clearly, I think it, it was, it was necessary. Ah, wow. So in other words, you're saying, uh, 
that the political atmosphere is far. Brandon Johnson ha- doesn't have the political power he needs to withstand. Not uh, in the black community and the black caucus, especially. No. Uh, by the way, t- uh, Tosh told me she, he was, you floored briefly with, with the idea of running for alderman. Isn't that correct? Do I, I have that correct? Uh, so you would have been running in the 19th ward? No, I wouldn't have. I would have probably run in one of the Southside wards. I would have moved to a Southside ward. Which, do you know which ward? Uh, I was thinking about 34, but, you know, probably something like that, yeah. Oh, 34 no longer exists yeah. the way it used to. That's correct. Uh, that borders here, yeah. And it may have been the 34th Ward Alderman who made uh, the gangster. No, it was Willie Crockett. I don't think it was Carrie Austin. I think it was yeah. Willie Crockett. Yeah, I, but Carrie Austin was at the party. She definitely uh, was. <laughs> uh, and uh, she said something. I just can't remember what it was. Uh, all right, so uh, you feel that uh, uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa was kind of unfairly treated. Now let's get to Brighton Park. I was ranting and railing uh, about uh, what I could consider one of the dumbest ideas of all time. Uh, Well, no, the parking meter deals there. So, okay, of the last 10 years, to to have 10 city, number one, and to put it on this land uh, that, uh, according to, again, Cranes, uh, reading Cranes a lot since I figured out how to get around that paywall, Block Club, Sun-Times, uh, and Tribune uh, had mercury in the and other contaminants uh, in the soil. Uh, you said, uh, man it up, Ben. Uh, they threw some gravel on there. That should be good enough. Uh, stop bringing your Evanston sensibilities to the city of Chicago. Uh, why don't you take the deep dive and explain yourself a little more, Tosh? Okay, so I know I've come across now on your previous episodes. It's this guy said, hey, who cares? Put the migrant babies on the mercury landfill and just and let it ride that that really wasn't what i what i was trying to portray but you know i know you were taking some liberty with that so here's the thing about this mm-hmm. in in my mind brandon johnson i don't know him personally he strikes me to be an ethical a guy with morals a guy with values he seems like he grew up that way it seems that he governs that way so for me to imagine that he would decide to put these migrants whether it's temporary or not this tent city on a toxic site that's not remediated i just don't buy that i don't buy that argument i think this is one of the times where so-called lefties are progressive they take something they run with it environmental concerns are always like this you know they run and i i just think it was exaggerated so let me give you an analogy when i was a realtor we always had a thing called a mold disclosure the sellers had to fill out they got rid of this in 2018 because they said there was no way sellers could really identify how much mold was going to be toxic how much mold level were, were not toxic they weren't experts so now we don't have a mold disclosure in illinois anymore when we sell properties and you have two kinds of buyers you have buyers that go to a basement and an old house in beverly and it could be a nice house but there could be signs of water and mold in the basement and the husband says eh, don't worry about it we'll cut that out we'll, we'll you know we'll tape over that we'll, we'll paint over that we're good oh a little water here and there oh we know how the city is we know the city backs up and you have the other buyer, and I and I'm not saying it's an Evanston buyer, but it's a Northside buyer usually, or an Evanston buyer, or or Wilmette buyer, and they say, "Uh oh, we need to have mold remediation," and they ask for this in the contract. You know what this requires? Guys to come in these hazmat suits and masks, aspirators, and they take it all down and they treat it with some. They come back and they paint it, and it's two different ways of thoughts. Now, is the is the other other level of mold not safe? Probably not. It's probably fine. So that's kind of where I was coming at with that and actually i don't know if you saw this article ben and on nbc online where they did the foia request and they got the the report so it says here the department of assets information services for the city contracted terracon to conduct environmental investigation they conducted a field investigation 
include sampling, groundwater sampling, soil, gas, and local results. The results were compared to the Illinois EPA's remediation standards for residential use. According to the report, soil with mercury levels were identified at one location and they were removed and properly disposed off-site a landfill. Likewise, soil with a high level of a semi-volatile com compound was identified at another location and that will also be removed and disposed of off-site. Finally, to address remaining contamination in the surface soil typical of urban areas, they have directed the placement of crushed clean stone with a minimum thickness of six inches as an engineered barrier across the site. The barrier will be inspected periodically to ensure the thickness is maintained. With the limited soil removal placement and maintenance of this barrier, the site is safe for temporary residential use. So if, if the mayor's administration got that report and they were all set to, to place this tent stand there, I don't see what's wrong with that. I mean, to me, that's not that's not so crazy. And I think here's another example of where Brandon Johnson has set the bar for transparency so high that now progressives and lefties, it's like he can't win. Do you think Daly or even Rom, if they were going to put that tent city up, they would have done a report even, or they would have even publicized this stuff? I mean, look at Meg's Field. Daly might just stuck the tent on there, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the night. The neighbors, they wouldn't have known. They wouldn't have had the level of transparency where they would even know what to ask. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So so that that's why I think he's getting kind of a, a rough, you know, it's getting a rough go with this from, from the liberals and the progressives. So when I heard you say, you know, and I know you're a left, when I heard you say, like, oh, man, this is horrible. I don't know if it's that horrible. I really don't. I, I don't. Uh, okay. So what a riff. There's so much for me to respond to in that riff. Um, and it does point out, and I... It's funny when I, I feel like it's funny, but it's also true. There is a North Shore Evanston Wilmette sensibility that I have because that's where I, well, I always say I grew up there, but that's where I went to uh, high school, okay, uh, and junior high. So that's like what I know, Tosh. Uh, and then there's a Chicago sensibility, which you got at in that quote, which, what were you quoting from? Was it a newspaper, a report? Uh, that was on NBC. Yeah. NBC. And NBC, NBC Five investigates. You know. Okay, <laughs> NBC Five investigation unit uh, details the ten. Um, typical of urban areas. I wrote it down. That says it all. Typical of urban areas. The bar is high in the suburbs. I admit it, Tosh. And you're so right about mold. Oh my God, dude! I can do a riff on that right now. When you're selling a house. In Evanston, we'll met with NECA Lake Forest. Go north, okay? That real estate's going to tell you, oh, you got mold in the basement. Now, here's what's going to happen. When the, when the buyer comes in, uh, they're going to bring in their mold expert, uh, and they're going to find so much mold in the basement that they're going to – it's going to take $20,000. They'll start a negotiation on the price, right? right? It's We're going to take $20,000 to remediate the mold in the basement, so you're going to have to lower your asking price or pay for our bill. You know? <laughs> See, that's how they do it in the suburbs, Tosh. They're not playing. In the city of Chicago, the adage is, mold, what's the big deal? You're not eating on the floor. Don't go eating in the <laughs> It's just a different attitude. By the way, I, I don't know if you sell property in Lincoln Park. Guarantee you, Lincoln Park's got the same attitude about mold in the basement that will met when that oh, happens. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Now, it, you know, and that's what I'm saying. So are we going to go through life saying that there's one standard for Evanston, Wilmette, Winnetka, Lake Forest, Lincoln Park, and another standard for Brighton Park, McKinley Park, Hegwish, 
uh, Rosalind, Englewood, etc. I like to think, and maybe this is just the do-gooder Evanstonian in me, that we should have one standard that applies for all. So if we're going to have a high standard in Evanston and Winnetka and Wilmette, et cetera, why shouldn't we apply that same standard to Brighton Park? The floor is yours, Tosh. I don't know if it's a question of, yeah, that, that's fair. I don't know if it's a question of standard. I think that the reaction in Wilmette and the North Shore and the reactions is, is probably sometimes over-exaggerated, right? So if you have a, you know, people in Beverly, if the sewer backs up, and you get half an inch of water in your basement, you open the drain, it goes back down, you move on with your, your week. That's it. And the north side, you might you might gut your whole basement. Do you follow? It's, it's a different reaction. It's a different idea of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. You know, and, and that's based on culture. That's based on how you grow up. It's based on your ideals, I suppose, you know, but. My my only point is I you know I believe that they did their due diligence the the site was probably safe enough and they you know it's probably not great it's not it's not something you grow a garden in we, <laughs> you, know, we, you don't put a community garden in there but they have a community garden near near Chicago on sixty something there and we know that land's probably got you know there all kinds of stuff in it all right let me ask you this in your humble opinion would that site sell for top dollars if we were in Lincoln Park would that with that, unless there was more remediation, if there was more remediation, no, and la- with the with the level of remediation or n- lack of remediation of removing those toxins, would that site sell for top down like per absolutely yeah. why not? Sure, it would because there's, there's a lack of space. Yeah, they're not worried about that. Wow. We're doing stuff all kinds of all the time with that. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm gonna have to respectfully disagree with you on that one. It would. Yeah. Heavy emphasis. No, I don't think it would at all. I think we screaming and crying and moaning and groaning, and trains would write an article. This I is outrageous. I guess Ben, what I'm saying is we wouldn't know if they're going to build a condo complex on that in Lincoln Park on contaminants. So we we don't know, right? The public wouldn't know. That that that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. This site because they tried before to put a splash on. We knew there was a history on it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these sites in Chicago we don't know. That's a valid point. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know. I remember uh, at various stages, I uh, moved to Chicago in 81, uh, and I watched the transformation of Lakeview and Lincoln Park uh, from uh, relatively, I know this is hard to believe, Tosh, but uh, like middle class, working class, whatever you want to call them, neighborhoods, uh, into these upscale neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, I remember there was a gas station. I could just see where it is. Uh, in my mind's eye, and because uh, my wife had a beauty parlor right near the gas station, uh, and the the owner, he's he go, I'm making some money, man. <laughs> I'm selling this thing, and he sold it to a developer. He tore it out. He took the gas station. I've always wondered how much remediation. To your point, how much remediation was done? You know what I'm saying? It was a gas station with tanks there and stuff. I mean, how much remediation was done there? Uh, I don't know. I do not not know the answer to that question, man. I didn't. I'll tell you what. I did not buy a unit in the, on that gas station right. lot. I just think that there's been so much. There's so the expectation from Johnson administration is so high for transparency. Now you hear all these talk from reporters how he's not transparent. Isn't that what we're hearing now? Yes. Oh my God. It, he's not yeah. transparent. He doesn't do press yeah. conferences. We can't get access to him. Do you remember? You know, life. But do you remember Rom? Do you remember some of these other mayors? Were they so transparent? I don't remember them being so transparent. No. Daily at press conferences, quite a few. But I mean, that doesn't necessarily knew you knew what was going on. Yeah. No. They there was um. It's one of my favorite topics. 
first of all, I think there's something happens to a human being uh, when a he or she goes becomes mayor of the city of Chicago. Tosh, I truly believe this, uh, and uh, they become very defensive, and it, it and they think their business is their business alone. It's not the people's business. Uh, and I've watched this now. What I don't know is how much they were like that when they got into office. If you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, Daly and Rom walked in, uh, with a lot of arrogance and Lori Lightfoot as well. She was a corporate lawyer. She said that corporate lawyer arrogance, uh, Rom had that. I'm the man in charge arrogance. I'm the gatekeeper for the president. I'm the boss, uh, arrogance. And Daly was, I'm the, I'm the prince, you know, I'm the prince of the city. Uh, and Chicagoans love an arrogant mayor, Tosh. Feel free to fight back with me on this one if you want. But they love an arrogant mayor. There's like they feel like that person's in charge. That person, if you're bossy and arrogant and mean and nasty to a Chicagoan, that translates into effectiveness. Even though there's absolutely, you talk about a report, there's nothing that validates that position whatsoever. Mean and nastiness does not equal effectiveness. I it's think a, I think ahead. Chicagoans do do respect that. And I don't know if it's a nastiness, but I think they do respect a mayor that has the influence and power to get things done. And I think that's one of the things that kind of was Lightfoot's uh, downfall. She didn't portray, and it's not because she was a woman. It's not because she was African-American. I think she didn't portray that she had, that doesn't mean you have to have the city council in your, in your hand or in, in your pocket, but she didn't portray that she had a real control over things. Right. So, and I think that's where the, kind of the lack of confidence came in in terms of her supporters. But when he looked at Daly or even Rom, and Rom was probably, you know, boosted by national politics. But if you look at Daly, Daly, I mean, I like Daly, which might surprise me. Like I'm a big fan of Daly. And he, and I think Daly later in his years, in his terms, you would see him on the South side. He he made appearances. Kids got shot or there was issues uh, in the neighborhoods. He would show up, set that podium up, and, you know, get into his tirades where he's screaming <laughs> and say, you know, I'm going to hunt these people down, or how dare you kill these kids, yeah. or how dare you shoot these kids. I mean, and that showed, like, leadership to a Chicago, and that shows, hey, wait a minute, this guy's got a grasp for this stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, now I'm definitely going to pick uh, push back a little bit here. Uh, it's, um, all right. So this is my position on get things done. Okay. Uh, and it really applies to Rahm and Daly because they were the quintessential get things done mayors. All right. Um, I was asked at that show at the hideout where you were to name one good thing that Rahm did as mayor. Remember that when someone right. I forget it was who brought that up. Mick, I can't remember who brought it up. And Tosh, I was stumped. I sat there. I, I, I like usually I got something to say it all the time, you know. I didn't know what to say. Like, what did Rom do that was worthwhile or beneficial to anybody outside of one of his little cronies on a business deal? You know, like Lincoln Yards, the guy, he got his boys some money, funneled some a, a billion dollars to his guys. That doesn't help anybody but his guys. I'm talking about river, river walk and give him that. Yeah, that's what someone said. The river walk. There you go. <laughs> that was the best they could do. The river walk, which, by the way, started under daily. All Rom did was clip the ribbon and get credit for it. It wasn't even Rom's idea. So it's like the bar is low. I admit, ladies and gentlemen, the bar is low. So I just reluctantly gave Rom credit for the Riverwalk. And then upon reflection, I gave him credit for um, uh, fixing up the red line. You know, I'm giving credit for that. Uh, and um, he came up with the TIF idea to fund it. 
the transitive. So, you know, that's like the one thing. But that's it. My point being, when Chicagoans say this is the mayor who can get things done, what they're also saying is the things that the mayor gets done are some things are things that don't help anybody except for their rich cronies. You can't think of one thing. Like, you can't think of one thing that Rob did that helped anybody. He closed schools. He closed clinics. He looked the other way when people were shooting each other. He showed no compassion whatsoever. He was heartless. And he wasted money on frivolous deals like Lincoln Yards. It was only at the end he came up with the red line. The thing was going to fall apart for crying out loud, Tosh. The bar is so low. Can you name, other than the Riverwalk, which, begot, by the way, began under Daly, your guy Daly, one thing that Rom did that was worthwhile? Go. Uh, to quote Jeanette Taylor, I'll wait. No, I mean, the Riverwalk, that, that's what I, stands out to me. I don't really know anything else. So you can't even say, you, you, you agree with me. The guy can, getting things done in Chicago means stuff that nobody needs or wants. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will yeah. say this, though, back, back to the soil, though, I will say, yeah. I don't know if you saw Joe Rogan had that um, video saying, oh, now even Democrats are saying they want to invite Trump over here to talk to us. And there's a video circulating. First of all, the video circulating, I don't know if you've seen this with Mark Carter. And I mean, these guys are not even Democrats. I know. Okay, yeah. and, and, and now that's the narrative now on social media, that Democrats are turning against Johnson and they want Trump to come here and save the day. And, and this is the problem. And this is what I feel like. This all came from, from the progressive and the left complaining about the soil. Yeah. Now it's turned into to this. And you got Will wow. and Raymond Lopez standing there to say, oh, can we believe uh, that this community is being treated like this? And some of the dirt seeping out into the street and it's in the air and people can't breathe. And, you know, and this is this is what happened now. This is what we got. No, listen, uh, Raylo, Joey Rogan, all you guys, you guys have been uh, missing in action when it comes to the environment. Now, all of a sudden, you got a lefty mayor, Will. You want Trump on the environment? They think climate change is a hoax. See, this is the other thing. Joe Rogan, look, I got so many mixed feelings about Joe Rogan. Number one, right. I'm so jealous of him because he's doing my little podcast and he's got an empire, Tosh. I admit it. I'm just jealous of him. Number two, he's never invited me to his show. <laughs> if I was on his show, I'd go, Joe, you're, you look wonderful. You're marvelous. Thank you. Uh, but that said, come on, Joe. Joe, like, he's always like, I'm not a Trumper. And then it's like promoting Trump, yeah. you know? Just come out and say you're a Trumper. You like Trump. But uh, I did I did think that, remember I told you, and I told people from about a month ago, I didn't think he was going to move forward with the, the site in Morgan Park or with these tents in general. And you were already in December. And when he had the press, when the mayor had the press conference with the uh, pastors and the religious leaders, and he said they're going to start uh, putting some of them in churches and giving grants to the churches to house the migrants, I think that was the point of that press conference is to kind of say we're done with these tents. You know what I mean? And maybe they would have done the Bryant park as a state put in the money, but they're probably thinking now we're in December. One of the, even if they started now, one of the tents going to be done January, February. And then by that, you know, it's warm again, it's starting yeah. to be spring, you know, so tents. not to say migrants should be outside, but you know, all right, just, let's I, move to this. Uh, you, since you mentioned Trump, let's go to the uh, sanctuary city uh, matter. And, um, uh, okay, so it was at the hideout. It wasn't you. It was a different guest. It was uh, my old friend, Linda. And uh, vehemently disagree with me with my position on Sanctuary City. So let me just set set this up. 
uh, and tie two strands of our conversation together. We began with Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Carlos Ramirez Rosa, the floor leader, uh, got in trouble when he was attempting to uh, block Emma Mitt's uh, entrance to the city council chambers and, and persuade her not to go into the meeting. He wanted to limit the number of people there so they wouldn't, the number of alders there so they wouldn't have a quorum because he didn't want the city council to put on the ballot a referendum on Sanctuary City where the voters get to decide whether they strip Chicago of a sanctuary city, city status. And I always feel compelled to point this out. This illustrates the, um, like the low regard that uh, Chicago's leaders have for the citizens of Chicago. They think you're stupid people. Uh, sanctuary City, the issue has nothing to do with busloads. I just feel compelled to say that. Right. So, and then when I say that, um, what the what MAGA people tell me is, Ben, it's a symbol. It sends a message. It says Chicago is more like Trump than you realized, that Chicagoans love Donnie Trump, and they love his ideology, and they hate immigrants. Even uh, Hispanic people hate immigrants, Hispanic immigrants. They'll say, don't come here, go home. Even uh, uh, Asian American immigrants uh, hate immigrants. Everybody hates immigrants. I made the joke the other day that the only thing uh, that uh, Jews and Palestinians agree on on the north side of Chicago is no Venezuelans in our neighborhood. All right. So everybody in Chicago, that's kind of like the standard line hates immigrants, except for soft lefties from the Evanston who now live in Chicago who have podcasts. He's the only guy in the city of Chicago who likes immigrants. Okay. And so, um, uh, Linda came up to me at the uh, at the um, uh, the Hyde, uh, Hyde, Hyde, Nighthawk. Nighthawk. God, yeah. uh, and at my first Tuesday show, and she said, "Ben, I'm so glad that Carlos was trying to block that referendum because it would have been an overwhelming triumph for Trump uh, to have Chicago vote on sanctuary city eliminating sanctuary city status." And I said, "I don't. I have more faith in Chicagoans." That that notion that only I, Ben Jarofsky, am the only person who likes immigrants is exaggerated. Uh, and that more people think like me uh, than you see show up at these meetings. Tosh, what's your position? Are you with me or Linda on Sanctuary City? Go. I think I'm with Linda. I mean, I, for that to pass, that, that would have been difficult. I mean, if you look at the, yeah, and the Northsiders and such and, you know, the le- the progressive left i see them okay with it but if you talk to people on the south side and the west side no they're not they're not going for that you know this whole thing is to them that sanctuary city equates to this right let's not be a sanctuary city and we won't have this issue and you know they don't understand that's not connected but to them it's connected you know for the majority of people and so if a victory would enable joe rogan and donald trump to say we have triumphed is that what the fear is Right. That's that's going to be a horrible look for the mayor. That's going to be and you're and now you're doing something that a lot of your constituents don't want. They're telling you, we don't want to be a sanctuary city. We don't we don't want And even if they have the um, even if the idea or the their interpretation of what a sanctuary city is incorrect politically, if you have that pass and say, hey, we don't want a sanctuary city here. How is the mayor, you know, moving forward, how is the mayor going to push for that? It's just not going to work, right? Well, I, uh, when Jeanette Taylor was on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, older woman Jeanette Taylor from the 20th War, and she uh, criticized uh, Mayor Johnson, uh, and that was the big takeaway that folks uh, had from that show, that particular show. Uh, JT was on the show for an hour. She said a lot of things. 
uh, and which didn't get the attention uh, that her criticism of Mayor Johnson got, Tosh. One of the things she said was a ringing defense of Sanctuary City. Uh, and she talked about the number of uh, that Sanctuary City essentially guards um, non-citizens uh, from being hauled over by if they get like say pulled over on a, a traffic stop or something like that by the police. The police don't uh, send a call in the feds that the person is an illegal uh, non-citizen. OK, so that's what the sanctuary is. Uh, and she goes, you know, there's a lot of Africans in my ward, Ben, with dark skin. And uh, they would be uh, protected. They're protected by Sanctuary City. You yeah. know, you don't hear about them. Yeah, you don't hear about that. Yeah, you don't hear about them. And so my point is, is um, that sometimes you have to work uh, to promote your views. You know, uh, Donnie Trump and Joe Rogan and Raylo, they're willing to work. They're working, yeah. Right. Yeah, they're working. They're working. I mean, say what you will about Raylo. He's, he's promoting that hate. And Donnie Trump's promoting that hate. Joe Rogan is. They're working hard at it. Uh, and, uh, so it's harder to sell love than hate Tosh, in my humble opinion, you get what I'm saying? It's easier right. to sell hate, mm -hmm. uh, and take advantage of the differences. But what, uh, Jeanette Taylor was saying is that there is something that like a, a Nigerian or, uh, an African immigrant has in common with someone from Venezuela, even if they don't look alike. Yeah. And you could use that to rally folks. Do you think that she's being too idealistic? Your thoughts go. No, I mean, that's a valid point. And if you look at the pastors, when he announced that religious initiative or partnership, and if you looked at the pastors that were on uh, board with him, or at least standing there with him, you had some from the West Side, you had Marshall Apps and such, but you didn't see any South Side pastors. You didn't see these megachurch pastors in the Black community, right, who have a lot of influence on the South Side. You didn't see them standing up there. I don't know if that's because nobody reached out to them, or I don't know if they were not on board, or they thought our congregation does not want this, even though we tried. But yeah, there doesn't seem like there was a big initiative. You didn't see Mayor Johnson on the south side at Trinity Church on 95th saying, hey, we're going to partner with Trinity. We're going to do this over here. And if if some of that had happened, you might have seen the sentiment change on the south side. You might have seen individuals say, OK, well, you know what? That is the our Christian um, duty to do this and to take care of these migrants. But you didn't see any of that. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's a misstep. That's a misstep on the, on the administration. Uh, but anyway, yeah. I, yeah, I think I think it would have. I think I would agree with Lynn. I, I uh, it would have been uh, if if that's on the ballot, as I uh, would have liked, and uh, as Linda says, no, uh, it would have been a fight, uh, and it would have forced Chicago uh, to confront its prejudices uh, and its biases and its fears. And Chicago doesn't do very well, Tosh. If you look at the history of Chicago when it comes to prejudice, biases, and fears. Uh, <laughs> to put it mildly. Uh, so it would have been a challenge for the city of Chicago. So I can understand why you and Linda both are thinking along the lines of Carlos Ramirez Rosa and uh, Brandon. Better better to keep this away from the voters. A little right. too much democracy is a scary thing. By the way, uh, we're going to talk about Burke. I just got, uh, I want to shout out to Frank. Listener Frank sent me the text. Uh, Danny Solis, labeled by the feds as one of Chicago's most significant cooperators in the last several decades, has been summoned to the witness stand. Oh. Uh, that, and, uh, and here's his opening uh, his opening uh, testimony. Quote, my full name is Daniel Solis. Uh, and so he's being uh, interrogated by Burke's attorney. You served in the city council. Is that correct, Solis? Yes, I did. Uh, that testimony is going on as we speak. Uh, I will absorb it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, when, when it's all over, 
and we'll be talking about it all week long. Tosh, you're a lifelong Chicago, been following Chicago politics passionately for many years. Your thoughts on where the Ed Burke trial is going? Where the trial is going. Okay, so they're going to call Solis, and, you know, of course, they can't call him just to impeach him, but they can, I believe, uh, bring up um, motive or bias. So I think that's the idea to say, probably to say that, not that he egged um, Burke on in these videos, but maybe that part of his conversations with Burke or part of his discussions were with the idea that, hey, I, I cut a deal and, you know, I got a motive here. You know what I mean? I got a I, I got to get this guy to really spill this. So I think I think that's the idea. I mean, but when it comes to that Burke trial in, in general, this is this is what I was thinking about. A, you don't see individuals uh, kind of in an uproar or general Chicagoans. I don't even know if they're they're even interested in this stuff. You know, what I mean, as opposed to Blagojevich, right? And that's it's a kind of a similar case. But do you remember when Blagojevich was going through all the trials? It was a running joke for most Chicagoans. You know, like, oh, look at Blagojevich, man, he tried to sell that seat. You know, nobody's talking about Burke and Burger <laughs> King and this developer. Nobody's talking about that, the average Chicagoan. And I think part of that is, A, um, Blagojevich kind of was out there more, so he kind of brought that on himself. And B, I think Blagojevich has that elder statesman, that gravitas. He has that, you know, from all of his history in Chicago and his position. So you don't see other aldermen. Have, you, have we heard any aldermen say anything negative about Burke? Yeah, keep a standing ovation. Do you remember the last day? Even Rosa, yes. even Rosa got up and yeah. said, "Oh, something." Did he get thanks up? For, thank, yeah, thanks for uh, doing what you did, and thanks for the Robert's Rules of Order uh, comments, and thanks for everything you've done. Everybody stood up. It seemed like, and nice. they were, "Man, we, you know, you've done so great for us." And and whether it's these aldermen owe him something, or they have been helped by him, and he's helped a lot of them. You know, they used to say when you when you became an alderman, he would call you first and. You know, bring you in there and tell you, hey, what do you need or what, you know, how can I help you out? So he has that, he has that status, you know, no matter what. So, I mean, we're not going to hear any pushback. So, I mean, for people who follow politics and especially uh, those in the media, this is interesting stuff, you know, what's the least man. But I think for the rest of Chicagoans, it's, it's another politician and, you know, maybe something will happen, maybe not, you know. Wow. I uh, um, respectfully disagree with you. If you're a political junkie, this is it. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and most, I mean, most people don't follow anything. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, this is the reality, Tosh. Most people don't follow anything. Right. Uh, you know, uh, maybe sports, maybe uh, cult, pop culture, what have you. But when it comes to, I mean, most people don't know what's going on at all. He, I mean, Chicagoans are particularly clueless uh, species. Uh, that's for certain. I've come to that realization. But you, the point you just made was the one that I want to hammer home as we walk out the door for today's show. Um, yeah, you talk about we began with hypocrisy in the city council. We'll close with it. The utter hypocrisy of the Chicago City Council giving Ed Burke a standing ovation and denouncing Danny Solis. Danny Solis is the rat. Danny Solis is the guy who betrayed the trust. Danny Solis is the guy who wore the wire. Danny Solis is the guy that went to the feds to expose what? The corruption in the city of Chicago? You know what I'm saying, Tosh? And you know what? I began with the rich getting richer. I didn't ever hear rich people complaining about Ed Burke. 
I ever heard any rich guy complain about Ed Burke and how he added Ed Burke shaking you down to get your property tax added to the cost of doing business in the city of Chicago? I've always heard rich people crying about, oh, those unions, those damn unions. We have to pay for those unions. I never heard one rich guy complain about Ed Burke. So you're absolutely, we're beginning with hypocrisy. We're going to end with hypocrisy. <laughs> you know? And they're going to make Danny Solis look like he was the one responsible. Poor Ed Burke, little innocent Eddie. What's your What's your take on Danny Solis's reputation in Chicago? Danny Solis is despised in the Chicago City Council. Okay, he yeah. is despised in the Chicago City Council. Uh, Danny Solis probably has absolutely no base whatsoever because he never stood up for the people. And my this is me talking. So, Rich Miller, he wrote a great column. Got to give him a shout out. Follow me in this, Tosh. Rich Miller for Capital Facts. What a column. Uh, and he was taking a look at um, Kenny Duncan, who lost his state rep seat. Uh, Madigan ran Juliana Stratton. This is ancient history. Only I remember it. Okay. Uh, and the, Rich Miller said the lesson he learned from that is if you're going to take a stand against the man, you got to do it on behalf of your people. Kenny Duncan was taking a stand for Bruce Rauner in a way that would uh, lower the amount of money assistance uh, that women, uh, families, poor families would get for childcare, et cetera, and so forth. That's the stand he took against Madigan. I'm like, don't take that stand again. If you're going to, I'll be with you in a stand up against Madigan. Mm -hmm. If you take a stand that helps people like to increase the allowance that mm -hmm. poor families get, that's what, so if you take a stand, you better be on the side of your people. I can't think of any issue where Danny Solis was on the side of the quote-unquote people as opposed to the powers that be. And so in that regard, he and Burke were tied like this. Do you follow me? Yeah, but when I've talked to um, older Hispanics that were in his ward who are now successful in business, whether it's in uh, real estate or some other services of attorneys and um, accountants and such, they don't have a they have a regard for Danny Solis. So I'm not sure if he was helpful to them, but they don't look at him as uh the self self-interested, just kind of political kind of you know figure. So so I think that's a later generation. Of course, now, yeah, his ward is I mean, everybody's turned on him, you know, because with the pollution and all that stuff, and they they realize, you know, this guy is kind of out for his own self, and he's not out for, for the community. But I think earlier on. I think he did assist a lot of people over there to his credit. I mean, what I've heard. if you're a, a business person and you know, you figured out Chicago and you know how to use an alderman, you had to deal the with aldermen are, are, are useful. You got to, you like them. That's different than. <laughs> and I thought this was interesting. Just in, I saw this article um, when I was, I was looking up the other day. It says on one of those uh, wiretap calls, yeah. he said Victor Reyes was saying, I didn't get any business out of Danny Solis, but you know, I got, out of Moreno, Cardenas, Munoz, and Maldonado, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, you know. Listen, man, I, a ringing defense of Danny Solis. I've I've said he's got more. Not to say that's a defense of Solis, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, hey, maybe he was just out for the massages and himself. You know, if it wasn't for. Him. <laughs> I, I, I have argued to no avail that a statue should be erected in honor of Danny Solis. Uh, he's done more good for the city of Chicago by bringing down Burke. Uh, he elected Lori Lightfoot. Uh, essentially, because it was his testimony uh, that turned Burke into a pariah that enabled Lori Lightfoot to distinguish herself from all the other candidates running in that first round uh, and win the sometimes endorsement and get elected. So 
Danny Solis has done more. If you think reform begins or uh, is abetted by the uh, prosecution uh, of Ed Burke, then you should thank Danny Solis. But see, that's that Chicago mentality, Tosh. It's not Evanston. It's not Wilmette. Chicago mentality. They're like, well, he's a rat. We don't like rats in Chicago. No, you just want to go along with the corrupt system. Is that it, Chicago? Yeah, but the irony is is, is Solis got in there after uh, Madrano, right? He was indicted, right? That is right. correct. So then, yeah, now he's he's cutting a deal, and then Burke's getting indicted. Yeah, heck of a job, 25th Ward. Those are your arms. <laughs> and Vito Marzullo, before that, it's been all downhill since Vito died. Anyway, uh, Tosh, thank you very much. Uh, oh, you come on the show. You spoke out. You spoke your mind uh, at the Nighthawk, and I said, let's cut a deal. I go, are you going to be nervous when you get on the mic? And you go, come on, Ben, I'm a pro. Uh, and you handled yourself very well. So thank you very much. I appreciate it, Tosh. You're very welcome. I enjoyed it. That's Tosh Chandy. I also want to thank producer Chris. I think Tosh, Danny Solis, and Ed Burke would agree with me when I say this. Hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can always catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, read columns written by Ben Jarofsky, sign up for the Reader newsletter, all at chicagoreader.com. If you want to follow Ben on Instagram, it's at Benny J Show. And don't forget, like and subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show and follow The Ben Jarofsky Show on all of your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.